Hey friends, this is Pastor Rachel from The Gathering Place, Centro Cristiano in Liberal, Kansas, and I am so glad you are here with us today. Today's teaching is from our Sunday service at The Gathering, where we meet up for a time of learning and fellowship in community. You're welcome to join us every Sunday. We're at The Gathering Place, Centro Cristiano, 619 West 8th Street, right here in Liberal, Kansas. Doors open at 10.30 a.m. In the meantime, enjoy today's podcast. You are sure to be blessed. Um, let's get into, I sent you guys your study guide, so hopefully you guys have those. Um, this is the very last one. What is it called, Pastor Elma? It's called Pitfall the Pitfall of Guilt and Grudges. And so where we finished off last week, we saw that um, Joseph, right, had um, forgiven his brothers and he had revealed himself and his person to them. Uh, if you want to continue reading that story, I think we finished up in 46, maybe chapter 46, but we're going to be in chapter 50 this morning. And so we've already, um, some time has gone by. Some time when I say that, that means about 20 years have transpired. So 20 years have gone by. These guys have been living in... Um, under the care and the custody, right, pretty much, of, of Joseph. And we're seeing that they are, I mean, they're, they're just living life. They've got enough to eat. They've got, you know, they've got good things happening to them. But all of a sudden, there comes the moment when Jacob, their father, dies. And so that's where we're picking up the story today was where Jacob is now, uh, Jacob or Israel, both names are, uh, they, they're the same person. So Jacob or Israel, and, and he is dying. And he is, he's dead, actually. So the, the question that we have in our study guide this morning, the one we're going to lead with is, when was the last time you were stuck, literally or figuratively? Anybody ever have been stuck lately? Like, how about literally? Anybody gotten stuck lately? No? In the snow? Yeah. Only in the snow, right? But you see people and you see sometimes, I used to get stuck in the snow all the time because, um, well, I just kind of overestimated. I thought, you know what? I, I think I can, I think my car can handle that. And then I would go over it and no, the car couldn't. And then you had to move the, the wheel back and forth and left to right, right? Until you could find a way to get out of there. And there's nothing worse than being stuck because there's nowhere that you can go. I mean, you can't get out of there. And so um, all of us, have been in moments where perhaps, you know, we have felt stuck, literally perhaps in the snow, and you know the feeling. But maybe you've also been stuck figuratively. And in your life, you've gotten in this moment where I'm just, I'm stuck. I don't feel like I can go forward or backward or left to right. I'm just stuck right here. And I want us to know that being stuck is not where we have to, we, where we have to reside. Being stuck is not the place where we're supposed to live. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that if this, that if Jesus or that if he makes us free, we will be free indeed. He says, if the son makes us free and the son being Jesus, if he makes us free, then we are free indeed. How does Jesus make us free when we accept him in our heart, when we ask him to be a Lord over our lives and we accept him as our personal savior, of course, then we know more than anything that he frees us up to live a life of abundance, to live a life of freedom being stuck is the opposite of that. So we can't sit and say, you know what? Well, just, we're just stuck. Well, no, we're not. Because if we have our hope and our faith placed in Jesus, which is what Joseph had, he had his faith and his hope placed in God, then he knows, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens. Like I said a few minutes ago, there's going to be pitfalls. There's going to be um, speed bumps along the way, but I'm not stuck here. 
There's going to be, you know, moments when it seems like there is no going forward and no going back. And maybe you'll have to sit there in those moments for just a second and feel all the feelings that you're going to feel in that moment. But you're not stuck there. We are people of hope. And that's who Joseph was. When he was able to last week, when we, when we heard, you know, him tell his brothers, he said, you guys meant it for evil, but what you guys meant for evil, God turned it for good. He said, I was in this place because this was God's plan all along. And how was it that Joseph was able to accept that and to see that for himself? Because he knew that there was something bigger than him at play. That not all these things were being done to him. They were being done because of what God had purposed in his life. When you have that mind shift and that perspective shift, then I'm going to tell you something. What happens is that we're able to see things on a grander scale. I always ask in my prayers, I say, God, help me see what you see. Because the word also tells us that his um, vision, right? Like his su vista, um, his sight is, is further beyond our sight. His understanding is so much further than our understanding. We see only what's right in front of us. And we are sometimes, and in, in, in when we are in, in difficult moments, and when we are stuck, we see only what's literally right in front of us. And sometimes you get that feeling like in the pit of your stomach that gnaws, like, how am I going to get out of this one? But Joseph didn't have that. I mean, we see his life and I'm sure that he had moments where he had doubts. But overall, we see that Joseph understood. I'm not stuck. This is just where I'm headed. This is just where God has me in the moment but he has a bigger and a better plan for my life. Now the brothers, we're going to come into the story of the brothers right now. The brothers have now found out that their father is dead. And I'll just read to you the very beginning part of the, uh, and we're still in the message and then I'll go to chapter 15, or I'm sorry, to verse 15 in the chapter 50. But it says here, Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. And then we see that Joseph gives instructions after that to embalm his father. And he asks them, uh, he says, when the period of mourning was completed, Joseph petitioned Pharaoh's court. If you have reason to think kindly of me, present Pharaoh with my request. My father made me swear, saying I'm ready to die. Bury me in the grave plot that I prepared for myself in the land of Canaan. Please give me leave to go up and bury my father. Then I'll come back. Pharaoh said, certainly go and bury your father as he made you promise under oath. So Joseph left to bury his father and all of the high ranking officials from Pharaoh's court went with him. All the dignitaries of Egypt join, joining Joseph's family, his brothers and his father's family. Their children and flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen accompanied them. It was a huge funeral procession. Arriving at the Atad threshing floor just across the Jordan River, they stopped for a period of mourning letting their grief out in loud and lengthy lament for seven days, Joseph engaged in these funeral rites for his father. When the Canaanites who lived in the area saw the grief being poured out at the Atad threshing floor, they said, look how deeply the Egyptians are mourning. That is how the site of the Jordan got the name Abel Mizraim, Egyptians lament. Jacob's sons continued to carry out his instructions to the letter. They took him on the on into Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of the Machpelah facing Mamre, 
and field that Abraham had bought as a burial plot from the Ephron, the, Hitt, the Hittite. And so we're seeing that after burying his father, Joseph went back to Joseph. Uh, Joseph went back to Egypt, I'm sorry. And all the brothers who had come with him to bury his father returned with them. And let's pick it up in verse 15. I'm going to switch over to the, to the New International Version, what's on your study guide. And it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we did to him? So they sent a word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to, to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves before him. We are your slaves, they said. So what are we seeing? We're seeing the same thing with these guys. Again, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us that these are words that Jacob had told them. They just got scared. They got scared. And after all the things happened and after, you know, they thought they were safe and secure. Meanwhile, that their dad was still alive because they thought that Joseph only was being nice to them for the last 20 years, because that's how long from the time that we left off last week until today, it's been 20 years. And so they're thinking, you know what, this is, Joseph is only being nice to us and he still has all this power. He still has all this position and he's only being nice to us because my dad, our dad was still alive. But now that our dad is gone, what are we going to do now? So in true form, they hatch up a plan. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to tell him. And so the scripture says that they go and they tell him these words and they say, you know, hey, this is what Jacob said. This is what your father said for you to forgive us. And so let's see what our, what our, um, a little bit of our study guide says. All is going well until the day Jacob died. After the passing of their father, their brothers began to wonder if Joseph's love would now turn to hate. Should they expect cruel treatment from the, for the past that still haunted them? The brothers had reason to feel paranoid that they had what, for, for what they had done to Joseph all those years ago because it was deplorable. But in Joseph's mind, their fears were unfounded. Still, they sent a message to Joseph explaining that before he died, their father had requested, I ask for you to forgive your brothers for your, the, your brothers, the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. We don't know if Jacob actually said that, but the brothers used it hoping to remain in their brother's good or in their brother's good graces. True to his past, Joseph was full of grace towards them. He had truly buried the past. Now that's not an easy thing to do. Burying the hatchet, burying the past, that is not easy for us as human beings. These brothers know that. And they know that the things that they did to Jacob was uh, to Joseph and to Jacob, what they did was terrible. And they have that fear in their heart, in their heart that, you know what, you know what, I mean, at any minute, I mean, Jacob's or J Joseph's ire could strike and he could be angry with us and he could do all kinds of things. He could put us to death if he wants to. And how many times do we do the same thing? When we come before God, we always think, you know what? Does he know what I did? I mean, has he truly forgiven me? Are my sins really forgiven? Or is he just like being nice to me for now? And a lot of times when we walk through life and things, things happen, then we get to the moment and we say, you know what? It's just, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. I just, I knew, I knew this was way too good to be true. God isn't really for me. I just had a bout of, you know, good luck. 
And so we sometimes believe that our sins aren't truly forgiven. But as we see in the story of Joseph, we see that he had truly forgiven his brothers. And so when Joseph weeps, that moment when he just like cries and says, guys, I already forgot about this. Stop digging up old bones. It's done. I remember because we're humans and we always will. But I forgave you completely. And Joseph taking the picture of what Jesus does for us today is the same thing. When we come to Jesus and we bow before him and we say, Father, forgive me for the sins that I have committed. Jesus forgives you a hundred percent. And if that sin that remains in the past stays in the past, you don't have to consistently and constantly go back asking for forgiveness of the same thing. That's why when we come and we ask Jesus to come into our heart and we get saved, we only have to do that one time. Why? Because he truly forgave us. Now, We might be like the brothers and have a hard time forgiving ourselves, but that's a different story. See, this is not the story of Joseph. Joseph was able to forgive them 100% completely. It's done. Never to be brought up again. Because he knew that there was a greater purpose. He knew that there was a greater plan and he was able to forgive them and let it go. The brothers were having the hardest time forgiving themselves. And so they constantly keep bringing that back up. Maybe he's going to be mad at us because of what we did to him. Maybe he's going to kill us now because of all the terrible things that we, we did when he was young. There has to be a moment when we understand that we can go before the Lord and we can say, Father, forgive me. And then, Father, I pray that you just take this guilt away from me. Because guilt is not of the Lord. He does not want you to live guilty your entire life. Have you ever watched a person that's guilty? We have, I mean, you guys know Vinny, my puppy. And sometimes when he does something this morning, I I can almost promise you he did something. I don't know. I haven't found it yet, but I'm sure he did something. Because he walked into my room and usually he walks and he Superman jumps onto my bed. But this morning he crept into the room and he stopped. And he sat and he was like looking at me and I was like, what's going on, buddy? I'm like, come on. And it took me a little while before. I mean, I took, I had to ask him two or three times and then he jumped on the bed and he came and, you know, was close to me, but he was very hesitant. Even he knows what it's like to feel guilty. You know what it's like when you tiptoe around and you think, you know what? Uh, I better just avoid that. How many people don't come to church because they feel so much guilt? Guilt doesn't come from God. The Holy Spirit convicts us, but our God is a loving God. He is also a judging God, but He is a loving God. And He welcomes us in. And there's no sin too great or so small that He doesn't take into account. And just as Joseph had completely forgiven his brothers, That's the same way Jesus completely forgives us. And you don't have a reason to walk around in the guilt of saying, man, what if, what if God finds out what I did? He already knows. 
He sees it all. But how wonderful is it whenever we come into his presence and we can say, Father, forgive me and take away this guilt because I don't want to live beneath the shadow of this guilt forever. Let's keep going this morning. And he says, verse 19 to 20, it says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the savings of many lives. You see, that's the perspective shift. That's the mindset of Joseph. He was like, stop recounting the past. Guess what? You did this to me so many years ago and I'm fine. Nothing happened. John likes to say, I have my 10 fingers. I have my 10 toes. I'm fine. Perhaps I didn't have a, you know, quintessential childhood. Perhaps I didn't have the best, uh, you know, raising from my parents, but it's fine. I'm okay. But how many people stay in that past? That's what the brothers were doing. They stayed back there and they sat in that and they were just like, we have so much guilt and we can't even move forward. And our lives are always consistently in danger, always looking over their soldier shoulder because they were almost certain that Joseph was coming and he was going to get him. And that is a horrible way to live. Joseph said, you know what? He said, I'm not God. I've already forgiven you guys. You intended this for, uh, for evil, but God intended it for good. Not so that you got, so that I could sit here and be like, oh, look what God did for me. Look how, how favorable, how favored I am by God as well. The reason that he did it was because look at all the lives that are being saved. See, his perspective and his mindset, his paradigm, what he was thinking about was out there. It wasn't just inwardly focused. At the end of the day, guys, we've got to understand it's not all about us. It is about him and what he wants to accomplish through us. And so as we walk in our lives and as we go through our journeys of life, we're going to come into moments where people are going to do uh, things to us that are going to hurt us, but you can't stay in that hurt. You can't stay um, just, you know, in that place. You have to keep on going. Grandma would say, you got to keep on trucking. Isn't that the truth? You just got to keep going, putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, life is tough. Pastor Alma says to get a helmet because you know what? It's tough. And there's going to be things that are going to hurt along the way. And there's going to be moments when we're just going to feel like, you know what? I could just stay in this in this terrible feeling and just sit in it. But that's not what God called you to do. And that's not who God called you to be. He did not call you to be stuck. He is a God of hope. You see, Joseph understood that. He said, look at all the people that are being saved. Guys, it's not about you, he was telling his brothers. It's not even about me. Look at the greater good. Look at what's happening. But when all you do is are surrounded by your own little world and you stay right there, man, what a sheltered life. So understand that it's not about us. It is about him. The question that Joseph asks his brothers, he says, am I in the place of God? 
We should often ask ourselves the same question. In our sinful nature, we make frequent attempts to sit on the throne and call the shots, even though scripture continually reminds us of God's sovereign lordship. What does that mean? That means that God's all-knowingness. But Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. At the end of the day, his purpose shines through in your life you have a greater purpose, a greater calling. And guess what? It's not just to be a career person. It is not just to have an excellent job. It's not even so that we can have the house on the hill. It is not so that we can have um, the 2022 car. It is not so that we can have an excellent um, small business. It is not so that we can have all of the things that we ever wanted in our whole lives. We're the ones who think, man, I want all those things and we wish for all those things, but that's not our purpose. At the end of the day, when life is over, do we take any of that stuff with us? No. So what does that tell you? That your purpose is so much bigger than acquiring things here on earth. Simple. It's not hard. Joseph understood that. The scripture says in James chapter four, verse 13 through 16, it says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go out to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do not even, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that as it is. You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. That's what James chapter four, verse 13 to 16 says. And isn't it true? Even of today, we make all these plans. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We have a person that always asks us about what is our five-year plan? What is our 10-year plan? What do we have? And that's great. Making plans is amazing. I love making plans. But at the end of the day, I love understanding that God's plans trump my plans all the time. And that if he chooses something different, so be it. Can we say that this morning? That's exactly what Joseph did. He said, my plans were so different when I was 17 years old. But look where God brought me. Look where I'm at. But it wasn't just for me or for me to say I'm so favored of the Lord. It is for the saving of all these people. Verse 21. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. He reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. Joseph's brothers, they had lived broken lives, messy lives. And Joseph sought to bring healing by demonstrating love and compassion to them. It was his undeserved affection that altered the course of their lives. And it is, it is God's grace. The same grace that Joseph was able to show his brothers, that's the same grace that God shows us. We don't deserve to be forgiven because what we've sinned and what we've done in our lives, how we've sinned is big. But his grace covers, the word says, a multitude of sins. They don't have to be a specific size. 
They don't have to be a specific color. It doesn't have to be a black sin, a white sin, a gray sin. Sin is sin, big or little. And God's grace covers all sin. So this morning, as we sit and we thank God for his mercy and for his forgiveness, what steps can we take this week to accept and enjoy God's forgiveness? You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in embarrassment for the things that you've done in your past. When God forgives, he forgives 100% and completely. And so don't live and don't let the enemy bring to your life shame. And don't let him let you live under that cloud. Because in and under that cloud, you are unable to see what God has for you in the future. Joseph refused refused 100% to live in his past. It was part of his story, but it wasn't his whole identity. He knew who he was in Christ. Your past does not determine who you are. The things that were done to you, that doesn't determine who you are. That is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And who has he called us to be? He has called us to be his children, full of hope, full of aspirations, free to do his will. Bow your heads this morning. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for this moment that we've been able to spend in this place. And Father, as we receive this message so clear and so simple, yet so often forgotten, Father, I pray that you allow us to see us as you see us with those eyes of mercy and grace. And Father, I just pray for forgiveness for the times that I failed you, for the moments that I have fallen short. Forgive me, Lord. And this morning, Lord, I just want to receive your forgiveness, your freedom, and I want to walk in the purpose that you have before me. So Lord, I thank you for that. And I place my life in your hands no longer making my own plans, no longer making my own ideas of where I'm going to be and what I'm going to do, rather counting on your presence to go before me. And if it doesn't go before me, then I don't want to go. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you this morning. Amen. This morning I want us to know there's in, in, your, um, in your study guide, it tells you why does refusing to forgive forgiveness often feel attractive to us? Why is it easy for us to want to hold a grudge? And then also answer the question, why is it often difficult to believe that others have forgiven us? And the last one says, why is it often difficult to believe that God has forgiven us? Guilt strikes all of us. It's a powerful emotion and it can affect us in many, many ways. But we can seek forgiveness. That's the solution that the Bible gives us. So three things to live out this week. They're in your study guide. Number one, claim his word. The next time you ask God to forgive you and you still feel guilty afterwards, I ask that you quote John, or 1 John 1, 9 out loud. Praying and declaring scripture helps you to renew your mind and to stand firm. Number two, accept his love. We all want to be loved unconditionally and accepted for who we are. But in order to receive God's love and forgiveness, we need to believe that he loves us. So accept his love. And number three, trust his plans. If we serve a good God, 
then what kind of plans do you think God has for us? Good ones. So this morning, accept his and trust his plans and let him be our guide.